Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there and welcome to Dudes on Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. Dude, I was at the tank yesterday. Yeah. Not for hockey, but for frozen on ice, dude. And? And I'll tell you, the most impressive thing about frozen on ice was one that I didn't fall asleep. But second, dude, when we were walking into the stadium, right, my daughter, who's three, has not been to a Sharks game yet, looks up at the arena and says, this is where the hockey happens. Wow. I know. Well, that's and pretty like, good. I know. So uh, I bought her all kinds of useless frozen uh, souvenir <laughs> as a reward. Uh, it's getting close. I think it's getting close for her first game. I, I just, yeah. I don't think you would totally watch it. Maybe a Barracuda game would be a good way to start. Right. So and then you, if you leave after a period, then it's fine. It doesn't matter, right? Yeah. But, um, she will watch sometimes on TV, and she's got her uh, Tomash Turtle doll that she calls him and uh, has a jersey. And we're, we're getting close, to We're getting close to having a new fan, and it's a good time to be a fan, dude, because the Sharks are playing well. They are. If you don't count the loss to Carolina, they are doing pretty well. <laughs> dude, for the last three games, if you had expected they'd get four points, I think you'd be pretty happy, right? Absolutely. Yeah, Florida so was a it, good win, and, you know, Tampa Bay, they're they're still a good team. Yeah, so you wouldn't have expected it to come maybe in the fashion that it did, but they, they got the results they needed to get. I think Carolina was kind of a trap game anyways, you know, coming off that Florida Florida game and that effort in Florida, Carolina's really playing. They they've convinced themselves that they might be able to make the playoffs. They might not be wrong. Mm-hmm. Actually, they're they're very close. They're on the cusp. So they really played like a team that that was scrapping and and trying to get through. And the Sharks kind of looked a little tired and certainly minus Wingles and Brendan Dillon that didn't help for that game. No excuses, dude. They they should have won, but. Um, I'm not disheartened by that. Yeah, I, I'm pretty happy with the way the Sharks have been playing lately. I think they, I think they just let off the gas way too much against Carolina, and it, it definitely cost them. Well, that first goal was extremely bizarre, and yeah, I mean, it just it, it and it, it set a weird tone, and you can kind of feel it after that that goal. It's like, uh. This isn't going to work out very well, but the Brent Burns goal was pretty sick. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll see how they bounce back this week with games in St. Louis and Colorado, and hopefully they can split those games and come home, you know, three and two from this road trip. And, you know, there's separation now, dude. It's very clear the Sharks are going to make the playoffs. Because Arizona and Vancouver have uh, flushed themselves completely down the toilet, which I think we expected. Right. But there's a very clear separation now. Seven points between the Sharks and the the Coyotes. uh, And Arizona is not going to be buying at the deadline. 
unless something awful happens, Sharks will make the playoffs. That's right. As Ruben says in the comments of the last podcast, the Sharks, uh, Ruben posted this a few days ago, but he said the Sharks have a 97% chance of making the playoffs according to some, I don't know, some bogus website. But, you know, I, it it's true, though. I mean, the, the point is the same. The Sharks are going to make the playoffs. And so I don't know if we want to push this question off till later in the show, but I guess... The first question I think of when I hear that statistic is, should the Sharks choose one of the options that we talked about last week in terms of do they need to trade Patrick Marlowe, try to gain assets, do all this stuff? Because they're basically going to make the playoffs anyway. Do they really need to to make a, some moves in order to make the playoffs? They're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think you're trading Patrick Marlowe to to strengthen your team for the playoff run, you'd be trading him to get the future assets that you gave up to, you know, get a player like Martin Jones. I, I, it just depends on what the offers are for Marlowe and how badly he really wants to leave. Right. I don't think anyone's going to, you're not going to trade Marlowe to make the team better. Although Kevin Kurz makes mention of a Marlowe for Keith Yandel deal. Wow. On, uh, you know, and, and, and I don't know about that. Like, uh, I'm not sure, you know, how how I'd feel about that, you know, um, if that went down. It certainly would be um, interesting, but but I think it could make the Sharks so much weaker up front unless they replace Marlowe in a different deal. But um, there's no, I think this is speculation on Kurz's part anyways. But yeah, I mean, I, I, the Pacific is, it's vulnerable, dude. Like, the oh, yeah. Kings don't scare me particularly. And the Ducks have been surging. They had a horrible start. They've been surging. Probably more frightened of them than I am the Kings, to be honest. And even so, it's it's not like they're Chicago. Yeah. So it's it's there. I mean, it's winnable. And the Sharks are only now five points out of being the first seed in the Pacific. That's true. I mean, that gap is very, very much closed. So if I was San Jose in this point where the way how they've pushed their chips in kind of, um, I think you, you, you can't be giving away major assets to try and make some sort of phantom cup run. But if, if there's a way to strengthen the team, I think you, you owe it to yourself to do it instead of just being, you know, a, a, a lame duck third seed what's the point yeah but i'm trying to think of what possible moves could we do with a lack of a first round pick and a lack of a lot of great young talent to really push the sharks into a legit cup, cup contend contender in a conference with chicago or i guess we're not yeah yeah in a conference with chicago is there anything the sharks could theoretically do to put them even close to the level where chicago is no, no, that's correct. <laughs> I mean, you have well, you have given I mean, the correct answer. Sure, I mean, but they they could they could try, but I think they're, I, it's been widely reported that they're looking for a defenseman. I, I would agree that that's the their most vulnerable spot. They seem to have no confidence in Alex Stalock. You know, is you yep. know adding someone like James Reimer really going to be? The answer there, depending on what the price is, um, 
you know, there's certainly a lot of names out there. You know, we can get to that now if you want, or we can can do some of our questions first. But well, let's um, let's talk about Staylock for a minute because that's okay. another that's another guy that's gotten some activity here in the comments section. And and some people say just I you know James says I just flat out can't believe Staylock is still on the team. <laughs> you know, last year James was rooting for Staylock to get the job, and now he doesn't know why he's even on the roster, and. Um, it's just, it, it's true. I mean, he's had another bad outing that, that, that six, five score that the Sharks lost in the shootout to Calgary. Right. Was Stalock in net, right? You look at these games, it's like Stalock's given up four goals and it seems like every start this year and it looks like heading back into last year. And it's just, you can't give up four goals a game and expect to win many games. It's just not going to happen. Is it time to cut? Jamie, is it time to cut bait with Staylock? Well, I mean, the, the the argument for Staylock was made by Jamie Baker on KMBR this last week, whereas he said that Staylock is one of the most popular guys in that dressing room. Um, okay. That the guys love him, um, and that it would be very could be very difficult for the chemistry of this team that has, by all accounts, improved this year to jettison one of the most popular guys in that room, whether he's underperforming or not. It's a tough call. I mean, he made it sound like that's going to be a really tough decision for Doug Wilson. And that, you know, when the people at KMBR were asking him, you know, well, if they're going to add a third goal, he said it could possibly not be at the expense of Staylock. He said, you could see them carry three goalies because, they can't afford to have Staylock not be around, hmm. which I thought was interesting. Hmm. I guess it is. I, yeah. I, I mean, it could make a move like that. That seems weird, but I mean, I guess John Scott's still employed. So we ta- <laughs> we've talked about that at, at, at length on the show and clearly yeah, he has I, other, other benefits to being on a roster than purely on ice uh, contribution. I don't think it's worth it. If if you were in a situation like you were Chicago and your Staylock was your backup, then you know what? You probably do need to trade a second rounder or a a fourth or or whatever you need to get like you know a player who could be a legitimate backup because you have a real chance of winning. Right. The Sharks to give up any sort of real asset to protect Martin Jones, I think I wouldn't focus on that. I'd like to see them try and get a player who maybe could be part of the long-term future of this team. You know how Doug Wilson likes to do that. He'll trade for a pending unrestricted free agent, someone who he'd like to actually have stay, you know, not someone who's just going to walk away, you know, at the end, unless you're Daniel Winnick. So, um, (laughs) you know, he usually likes to try and court these guys to be the, you know, to make a commitment here long-term. So um, that's the kind of player that I expect Doug Wilson to target here. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm looking at Keith Yandel here. What's not to like? Well, I think what's not to like is that you're not going to be able to get him to stay. I mean, Keith Yandel is going to make, you know, how much money did Mike Green make six, in the offseason, dude? Six million. I mean, Keith Yandel is going to make six, six and a half. Yeah. Easy. Mm-hmm. And and the Sharks are not going to, they're not going to pay him that. Um if you look at the list of 
guys who TSN says are available. I mean, a player that that I look at is uh, Chris Russell. You know, I look at a guy like Chris Russell. He's 28. He makes $2.6 million. And if Calgary really wants to trade him, you know, that guy blocks shots like an animal. You know, and you could play him with Brendan Dillon, and it would be an upgrade. It'd be an upgrade over Dylan DeMello, you know, and you probably could sign him for a reasonable deal. He's young um, mm-hmm. and he always blocks a ton of shots. I'd rather see them get Chris Russell than trade a real asset to get someone like Dan Hughes, who, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. the Sharks have been, were linked to Dan Hughes when he was an unrestricted free agent. By all accounts, Doug Wilson made a real push to get him from Nashville. He chose Vancouver. So we know Doug Wilson likes the player, but at 33, making $4.5 million and really having a poor season, not interested. Right. I mean, Vancouver just sucks right now. So you wonder how much of this is Vancouver. I mean, the other name that's been floating around out there is Roman Polak, you know. Not um, interested. Uh, 29 years old. I mean, I I don't know. You know, I... I feel like he's his he he's kind of being a little overinflated in terms of his true value. This guy is not uh, the type of player. I mean, and Chris Russell too. I mean, it's not like you you'll be drooling over either of those players. Um, but I think either of them they could they could help. I just don't want to see the Sharks trade, you know, Timo Meyer to get either of them. Like right. that will be upsetting because you're not a piece away. Um, from winning the cup, but I think the Sharks have a real chance to get out of the Pacific. I don't think that that's impossible. And then once you get to the Final Four, anything's possible. I suppose. I suppose. I'm also looking at the Shark structure. I, I, I admit my interest is very piqued by Keith Yandel. I like I like him a lot as a player. He's having a good season this year. Um, he's having a good season basically everywhere. He's he's on on pace for probably a 45-point season as a defenseman, which is really good. It's not as good as his 63-point season back in Phoenix years ago. He doesn't score a lot of goals, you know. I mean, he scored 12 goals, uh, you know, seven years ago. But, um, you know, a 45-point player who's a plus player for the Rangers right now, I don't have a problem with that. He's 29 years old. As you said, he's up for a huge payday. And I think if you look at the way the Sharks are structured salary-wise, I wonder how they could make that work if you're going to pay him $6.5 million a year. And, of course, you wouldn't trade for him unless you had an idea, hey, this guy's going to sign. You know, you, you would I, I have to make that call. If you're the Rangers, why would you make that trade? I think they would need to get something back that would help them continue to be a cup contender now. So I guess, you know, I mean, if they're really wanting to trade Keith Yandel um, and they'll do it for Marlowe, would you do that? Yes. Yes, I would. Especially if if you had that assurance and, and Doug Wilson did his homework and approached his agent and said, listen, we're not interested in trading for Keith unless we think Keith will sign with us without going to free agency. Is that a possibility? And would you be willing to talk about terms in broad strokes? And if and if that conversation happens before the trade happens, then I would be stoked by it. 
But it w- you would essentially be replacing Marlowe's money with Yandel's money. And if you're looking at a long-term investment, of course, that is a better investment because yes. Yandel's a younger player. He'd have a higher impact on the game. I'd just be worried about what's already, you know, kind of a, a you know, while they're the forward depth is better than the defensive depth, you know, the Sharks would then have to turn around and probably try to acquire a forward to fill in the gaping hole that is left by Patrick Marlowe. Right. And, um, but I mean, I guess if you're trading, you know, Marlowe and uh, fourth for Yandel and Jamie McGinn, you know, (laughs) I mean, Who's a name that's out there? You know how funny would that be? Oh my god! If Jamie McGinn ended up back up on the Sharks, right? But, um, like I don't know. I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see what happens, dude. I mean, there's some players you can basically, you know, assure that guys like Louis Erickson, Andrew Ladd, Mikel Bodker, those those guys are not coming to San Jose, and we don't really need players like that. Um. Anyways, so PK Subban, dude, he's out there. <laughs> That's, the, the, that's word I, the word I heard is not that they're that they are shopping him. It's that people are calling and they are listening, and that's that's sure. different. Well, I mean, yes, I, I heard that same report. I mean, but for the, it's going to be a similar situation as it appears that we're seeing play out in Tampa Bay. Where, I mean, is Montreal management really going to go with the coach over? the star, one of the biggest stars in the league. Because 29 other teams would want him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, I mean, they're fools, and they'll all get fired if they do that. Like, I mean, it's really stupid, especially from a guy who who just seems to be so ingrained in that community, you know, that, um, yeah, you know what? Some people do get immunity on some things. I think he does. You can't, it's hard to call him out so publicly when there's more than just him on that team that's a problem, right? Oh, yeah. I I don't understand that. Actually, it's funny. I'm I'm sort of thinking of, there might be 28 teams. If I were the Carolina Hurricanes, I don't think I would try to trade for P.K. Subban. True. True. That's the one team I can think of well, that and maybe, Chicago. and probably Chicago. not Chicago. And Nashville. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a, there, there's others, you know what I mean, but. But and and you know what? And probably not us either. We have Brent Burns. They're the same player. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Of course, it always makes you excited if you hear about a guy like that. I mean, that's just—he's a game sure. changer. He's an absolute game sure. changer. Yeah. Would you trade Burns for Subban? Oh, of course. <laughs> of course, I would trade any player on the Sharks for Subban. <laughs> any player. Joe Pavelski? Yes, I would, of course. Oh, ooh. Joe Pavelski's 30 years old. I would take like a 25-year-old generational defensive talent for anybody. Anybody. You build a team around that guy. I don't care. <laughs> Absolutely. That's not even a question. I mean, I would Dude, be, let me re- I'd be sad to see him go, but I would I would do it. Dude, let's talk about the injuries so, first before we talk about the guys in free agency if that's where you're going next. Dude, so, dude, I got some. So there is some news about Dill. You said yourself that Brendan Dillon was out and Tommy Wingles, right. and it looks like both of them will be back. Not maybe not for the Avalanche game, um, or um, sorry, what's the next game is St. Louis. Maybe for the Avalanche game, and probably not the St. Louis game. So it looks like the Sharks really dodged a bullet there because the Tommy Wingles thing kind of looked bad. Yeah, 
Yeah, they got very uh, good news for sure. Uh, they can't. The, the team is not deep enough to absorb major injuries. So uh, the Sharks need a little little luck to stay healthy the rest of this year. Um, and it was really good news to hear that they'll both be back soon. You know, it sounds like within a week. Right. And, you know, I, which teams out there are able to withstand those kinds of injuries? You know? I mean... You take away a top six defenseman for a long time. There's not a lot of teams that can withstand that. And a top six forward. Or I guess Wingles was more like top nine. But, you know, there's not a whole lot of teams in the league. I know some people may be saying, oh, the Sharks aren't deep enough. But, you know, the way the way the salary cap is now and the way comp- uh, competition is in the league right now, only the, the four best teams in the NHL might be able to possibly withstand a loss like that and still maintain their position. Yeah, I, I think that there there are, and I don't have good examples to come back at you with, but I think there are other teams that we could probably go do some homework on and look at. They've had AHL replacement guys be much more effective than the guys who come up. You know, when you're looking at, you have to bring up a Brian Lurg, a Michael Haley, uh, you know, guys who just are really unable to offer anything of any real value when they're up here versus you know, some other teams might have some players who can step in for four or five games and not have it be, you know, an embarrassment. Um, that I think the Sharks are lacking that kind of AHL plug-in depth right now. They don't really have it. Hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe that's something to look into. Or if someone has uh, some insight on that, you can always uh, send us an email or post or something, and we'll we'll certainly look at it. But... Uh, at least the Sharks seem to be going to be roughly healthy again in a couple games or this week. And, uh, you know, they, they'll be home against Buffalo and then back out on the road against Vancouver and then home again uh, versus Montreal and then back out on the road again versus Vancouver. So this is a very strange uh, couple of weeks coming up for the Sharks here. They're sort of off and on and out and back and so on. And there's Those a West- are very winnable games, though. I mean, those Vancouver-Montreal games, which, you know, at the beginning of the year you might have gone, that's tough. Vancouver stinks and Montreal stinks right now. So That's right. Very, very winnable stretch here. And, you know, I mean, Colorado's been, been playing better. Um, they're, but they're still kind of hot and cold. And St. Louis is, has been playing well, but um, not great. I mean, they, they they've, had a they've real won five wild in a row, game. Dude. They've won five yeah, in a row. Yeah, I mean, but, but, but even so, like, I mean, I, I watch highlights from their game um, on Saturday night. Um, they played against, uh, no, I, I can't remember who they played against dude, but, um, this is a great, uh, great analysis here, but, but <laughs> Brian Elliott was, was, was not good. I mean, like he, he gave up a terrible goal at the beginning of that game. Um, oh, it was against Arizona. Now I remember, um, in he, they, they, Arizona, like, scored like four goals or something like that on them. Like it was kind of a wild game after Arizona scored first. St. Louis kind of went off. They let Arizona get back in the game. So, um, and we played really well against St. Louis earlier. I I think that's going to be an interesting game. That's true. That's true. Okay, dude, I I want to get to all of the fun trade stuff because the trade deadline's coming up. So you said you had TSN stuff. Is that where you wanted to go? Well, I have TSN stuff, and I and I have. We'll start with Kevin Kurz's list, dude. I'm just going to throw out names of players that we haven't talked about yet, and you tell me if you're interested. All right, sounds great. Mike Weber. Yeah, 
I'm I'm not disinterested in Mike Weber. I do like Mike Weber as a player, actually. I, Mike I, Weber, how is he any different from Roman Polak? Isn't he younger than Roman Polak? Mm, by a year. Oh, really? Oh, hmm. Okay. I mean, he might be, I mean, like, he might be. He's cheaper, though. Cheaper than Roman Polak, you know, if you're looking for some more insurance. Um, he hasn't played in five games for Buffalo. I don't know if that's because they're, I mean, Kevin Kurz speculates they're protecting an asset or he just sucks. I don't know. <laughs> Tom Gilbert, dude. Uh, not particularly interested in Tom Gilbert. He was more offensive once upon a time, I think, and not anymore, right? Yeah, I think he now he's just offensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, here's a really, really interesting one. So um, you're about to smile all the way through the camera, dude, when I say the name Scott Hartnell. Yeah, <laughs> Scott Hartnell. He's one of my favorite non-sharks. Oh, I love Scott Hartnell. Absolutely, I'd be into Scott Hartnell. How old so, is he? How old is he though? He's thirty-three, dude. He's not that old. That's and he's got okay. thirty-seven points. I mean, yeah, I, he's a good, good player. The thing that's interesting, I think, about Hartnell, besides watching him throw his glove at someone as they're doing a breakaway, I did enjoy that. Um, which is a great clip. If anyone hasn't seen that, you got to look it up. Is that you know, Curse is speculating that that Columbus may essentially just give him away to get rid of his $4.75 million cap hit for the next three years. Um, Do the Sharks want to make that kind of commitment to a player, you know, um, like him for $4.75 million? Um, It doesn't seem outrageous, although he's going to continue to get older. Um, But I don't know if the Sharks are in position to, to really make that kind of financial commitment to him. But it's interesting. Yeah, I I love Scott Hartnell as a player. I always have. He's he's a very interesting interview. He's a fun guy. He plays a really tough game. He plays it consistently. He was good on the Flyers. He got you know, and then there was some sort of falling out on the Flyers. I don't quite remember all the details of. And he went to Columbus, basically like the the desert of the NHL, and he was like one of their best players instantly. And like that could have been easily been an opportunity for him to sort of sulk a little bit and you know, right. try to integrate onto a new team. And like, you know, these guys like, you know, who was a Brandon Dubinsky who got sent there and, and that kind of stuff. And it's just like, it was sort of like this wasteland for cast offs for a while. And you know, Hartwood just sucked it up and like became one of their best players immediately. And I, I just had a lot so, of, res- a lot of respect for him for that. Would you trade Matt Nieto for Scott Hartwood? Oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> you don't even, you didn't even have to tell me who you're going to trade Matt Nieto for. I would probably say yes. <laughs> Are you giving up on Matt Nieto? I'm. I am basically. He had a great. He had a really nice goal. Um, I think it was against Tampa Bay. Really nice goal. We, dude. Oh, that was mean, a nice goal. You got to go back and watch it. I, I think I saw that. Was that the little tuck-in uh, breakaway goal? Yeah. 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 No, it was a good goal. It was good. Um, I mean, I think the thing that's appealing about Hartnell is that he's, you know, he's kind of like Joel Ward. He can play up and down your entire lineup. It's just too bad that he's making that much money and he's 33. But it's an interesting idea. But he's got Kurt... 18 goals. Like, that's the thing about Scott know, Hartnell. Is, is you think of him like Joel Ward, and he's really, I mean, and I, I believe me, I love Joel Ward. But he's an even more of a scoring player than Joel Ward is. So, yeah, I, you know, I love players like that. I mean, he's, 
like to me, he's the gold standard of what you want Tommy Wingles to become. Like if right. Tommy Wingles could become any player, I would want him to become Scott Hartnell, and and he hasn't been able to do that yet. And that, but that's a pretty high bar to clear. That's not easy to to become a twenty twenty five goal scorer while hitting everything that moves, being great in the locker room, and just doing everything right. I, it's, I mean, it's not easy to be that guy. And and Scott Hartnell's been doing that for a very long time. But you're right, that contract is a little scary. What do you say? Three more years after this. Yeah, you play that style. You know, you know, it's certainly not out of the question that his game could go downhill when those kinds of hits start taking a toll. Um, you know, you sort of worry about that. I would personally be willing to take a, a a chance on Scott Hartnell, but then again, I'm totally biased towards Scott Hartnell, and I understand if cooler heads might prevail on that one. I I think that you know it it, it depends on on where, and it's so hard to know where this team is going. Right, you know. We say they're not going to be a Stanley Cup contender necessarily, but they have the chance to maybe get to the Final Four this year because of the weaknesses on L.A. and Anaheim. And L.A. and Anaheim are two tough teams to play against, and wouldn't you like to have Scott Hartnell in those series? Absolutely. It changes. It could change a lot as it did with with adding Rafi Torres. Now they're not the same kind of player in that way, but Hartnell definitely plays with, with some piss and vinegar and um, he can be a real irritant in a different way from Torres. But um, it's very interesting. The more I start to think about it, the more I I start to wonder if that's the type of guy that, that could be such a really sneaky addition to this team. Um, Especially dude if you know you can get him for like a matt nieto and then you turn around and trade marlo for keith yandel would you rather have marlo and nieto or would you rather have yandel and hartnell it's a no-brainer that's a no-brainer absolutely no-brainer yeah that's very interesting we'll see dude i mean like that that's the kind of pivot if doug wilson gets really creative that could get me really excited. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you've got uh, a little bit of a makeover a roster and a definite upgrade on the blue line and, and kind of a lateral move, I think, in terms of, you know, you can probably make a case that Nieto can be replaced by, you know, any of these players that are playing on the fourth line you know, a tyranny, a Carlson, and then you, you know, give Mike Brown those, those minutes when Wingles is back and you wouldn't see too much of a drop off. Right. No, I agree with you. Ben Scrivens, dude, Ben Scrivens. It's hard for me to get super excited about backup goalies here, dude. I got to be honest with you. Yeah, me too. That's why I'm throwing it out there. So you say not a priority. I don't think it's a priority. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think this is a team that's a backup goalie away from making a run. If Jones goes down, then it's not meant to be. And that's That's true. Yeah, you're you right. Know, you're right. They're they're not going to make it to the finals because they have Ben Scrivens. That's true. Yeah. I mean, they got they this is a team that has to have some things break right for them to go far. And losing their starting goalie is definitely not a break. <laughs> for for the sharks. Right. So we we can't expect them to go far without without uh without Martin Jones playing every night. 
So, I mean, I kind of put it to the listeners. We'll probably try and do another podcast before the trade deadline breaks. Mike and I will be at the game on Monday night against Montreal. That is trade deadline day. So the Sharks, you know, could possibly have a new player in uniform that night, or we could have seen them have a shakeup, dude. You know, it's possible we might be there on the night that Patrick Marlowe gets traded, which could be really, really surreal. Him and Subban swap jerseys. (laughs) Right. Play for the other side that (laughs) night. Happy, dude. I mean, the Sharks are, are, are in a position where I think there's only one way to look at it and they're not in sell mode. They need to add, but they could do it in the way that they did it before where they're giving up pieces off the roster to do it, you know, and that wouldn't be surprising because they certainly don't have the future assets to offer. Right. And the the thing I don't want to see the sharks if they add is to add a player that is clearly for this season only. That's not what I want to see. If they're going to add, if they add Scott Hartnell, obviously I'd be happy. But I mean, the other reason why I'd, I'd be happy is because he's under contract and he would stay with the team. If they add Keith Yandel, I'm only going to be happy about that move if they have a plan in place to retain him after this season and so on. I, I don't want to see a a Bill Guerin or something, which is like pretty obviously the the rental. The, the Sharks should right. not go get a rental. Right. Regardless of how good that player may be. Right. And, you know, if we think back to past deadlines, that that really hasn't been Doug Wilson's um, game plan. I mean, he he did do the Bill Guerin, you know, with the Winnick trade. I I, I think I think that trade was made with the intent of Galliardi and Winnick being guys who were going to be around. Right. um, And it didn't work out, you know. Um, So... I think he makes these trades at the deadline with the intention of these being guys that are going to stick around, like with Rafi Torres, like with Scott Hannon, like um, he did when, when he traded for Brian Campbell. I think he wanted Brian Campbell to stay. Yeah. And it didn't work out, but that wasn't because he didn't try. So uh, we'll keep our eyes open, dude, and we'll see, you know, is Doug Wilson going to wait until the last minute or will he strike this week? It's going we'll to be interesting. Yep. It's a fun time of year. I'm glad the Sharks are in a playoff position because I think now at least they could probably hopefully move at least from maybe not even maybe not a, a position of strength, but at least a solid equal position with a possible trade partner. If if they were, you know, five points out of a playoff spot at this point, I think it would be very hard for other GMs to resist bending the Sharks over and trying to fleece them, knowing that Doug right. Wilson's job is on the line. They need to make the playoffs. They added these guys last off season and they have to make the playoffs or else something bad's going to happen to the Sharks. And and then that's when you can really get taken. Not that Doug Wilson necessarily would do it, but I think the potential will be higher. And I think the Sharks can be a little bit more choosy about the deals that they make at this point. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. We saw some trades made and we saw some players sign and now it's all gone quiet. So... Um, you know, what will be the first domino to drop? You know, there's a lot of names out there. You know, rumors are that Andrew Ladd, there's already offers on the table for Andrew Ladd. Um, you know, Jonathan Drouin is another name that's out there. Um, who will blink first? We'll see. 
and you would expect the Sharks will be in the middle of some of these deals. Probably not a, a huge one, but um, gosh, if they can find some way to to pull off that Yandel Hartnell scenario that we just talked about. <laughs> oh, man. Um, That'd be amazing. I, I'd be so excited about that. I think it would really um, change the look of this team for the better and also give you something to look forward to for the future. Yep. Um, we'll see. Yep. We will see, dude. I, I'm, I'm with you, though. I'm looking for – they need to win at least you know two of the games in the next week, Colorado and Buffalo – I want to see a win. And and like you said, they played well against St. Louis. So we might get a nice uh, three for here. Let's hope so. I think, you know, the way that they're playing, especially the way that Joe Thornton's playing, like the vision that Joe Thornton is displaying right now, I mean, he looks as good as he's looked, you know, all season. Um, just finding people just with these tape-to-tape passes right in front of the net. I mean, Joe is is on right now and uh the team kind of put them on their back on his back a little bit and martin jones was playing very well until that carolina game so um i'm optimistic dude i'm optimistic i hope that they don't break our hearts yep me too dude go sharks go sharks hate the show want to get your questions on the air Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.